cross that they're wearing. The Episcopal Church's shield itself has two different crosses. The St. George's cross, which is from the English flag, and the St. Andrew's cross from the Scottish flag, recognizing the two nations and churches that helped form our church. The cross has become a symbol of hope. A symbol of peace. A symbol of love. When we see the cross, we're reminded of Jesus' passion and resurrection. It is a sign of our redemption. For many, we wear the cross to show that we are Christians. When we are wearing a cross, we are showing others that we are followers of Christ. And when we're not wearing our cross, we are not only showing that we are following Christ, but we are representing Christ. When we are wearing our crosses, it is a big task, a holy responsibility. When we are wearing our crosses, we are showing we are following Christ and it calls us to live a certain way. To live our lives as Christ. To model Christ in our actions and in our words. In a way, the crosses we wear are more important than just wearing them. It is a task when we wear the cross. We must not be content with simply putting it on and wearing it. But living lives as people of that same cross. Wearing a cross becomes a heavy experience, but not a burdensome one. We are simply putting on our crosses and not carrying it in our hearts, in our words. Are we truly living as people of the cross? As I said, the cross is a symbol of our faith. We know of it as a symbol of our redemption. When we see the cross, we see hope. We see the love of Christ. However, it was that love of Christ, the passion of Christ that made the cross into the symbol we know of it today. Early on in the church, and certainly in Jerusalem during the time of the Roman occupation, In the time of Jesus, the cross was anything but that symbol. It was a symbol of torture. It was a symbol of oppression. It was a symbol to keep people in line. When they saw the cross, they knew who was in charge and who they needed to listen to. It kept them loyal to Caesar. When people saw it, they felt fear. It was a reminder of their captivity at the hands of the outside empire. Many saw it and felt the absence of God. It was a tool of painful and lonely torture. It most certainly was not a sign of hope and love. On top of that, it was quite literally heavy and burdensome. The person who is to be crucified was forced to carry their own cross to the place of the crucifixion. And it was a burdensome and heavy journey. 
And because of this, and the fear of being hung on the cross, many kept in line. They did not want to find themselves in a position of carrying a cross. So for those who heard Jesus' words that we heard from our gospel reading, what they heard was confusing and difficult. Our gospel today is from Mark's 8th chapter. Now, a lot is going on in this chapter of Mark's gospel. We begin the chapter with the feeding of the 4,000. This is the second feeding story that Mark told about. And that story, just as with the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus made abundance out of what was thought to be scarcity. In this narrative and throughout Jesus' ministry, he flipped perspective. When the people thought one thing, Jesus showed another. What the disciples saw as not enough, Jesus showed it was plenty. After which Jesus pointed out the disciples' misunderstanding in the parable of the yeast before performing another miracle and restoring the sight of the blind man. And this brings us to the discourse we heard today. The first part of, part of that discourse we did not hear. And it sets up what we heard today in our gospel reading. In the opening section of the discourse, we see after not understanding, after not getting it, after not believing, a disciple understood. He believed. He got it. Jesus asked who the people said he was. And they answered a few prophets. They included John the Baptist. And Jesus then flipped, who do you say that I am? It was Peter who normally put his foot in the mouth, who normally spoke up first, spoke up first again. This time he was right. He affirmed who Jesus was. He told him that he was the Messiah, the son of God. He got it. He understood for a brief moment. And this brings us to what we heard today. In our section, Jesus is describing what the kingdom of earth or the kingdom of heaven costs, what the cost of discipleship was, what the cost of his own messiahship was. After telling the disciples not to tell anyone about what Peter confessed, he began to tell them what he must undergo. He was going to suffer. He was going to be rejected by those in charge, the elders, the chief priests, the scribes. After this, he said something the disciples did not want to hear. He told them that he was going to be killed. This is not what they thought was going to happen to the Messiah when he came. When they were thinking the Messiah would come, they thought he would immediately overthrow the Roman Empire. They thought he would come onto earth and sit on the throne, judging all. They did not think that the Messiah would come and be killed. So Peter, who just showed he got it, who showed he understood, once again spoke up first. He rebuked Jesus. So Peter, or Jesus turned it on Peter. 
Now, it's interesting to note how Jesus responded. He did not address the rebuke to just Peter. He did not say to him. Rather, he turned his attention to the disciples. And he said, get behind me, Satan. It may have been Peter who spoke up, who was blinded by earthly things, blinded by Satan. But it could have been any of them. Jesus pointed out that their minds were not on heavenly things, but rather earthly things. Saying that Peter was saying what he said because he was looking at what Jesus must endure through an earthly lens, not seeing what it was that God was doing. Then he gathered the crowds once again and told them that if they are to follow Jesus, they must take up their cross and truly Follow him. Again, when one took up their cross, they're carrying a heavy, burdensome object to their death. It also follows in the footsteps of what Jesus was about to endure, what he was going to go through. Now, notice he did not tell the disciples he would die on the cross. So they would not have connected that at the moment until after his death and resurrection. So following him would mean even to death if it came to that. But even in the fear that they should put it aside. They should put aside their securities, their comforts, their ways of living to live a life dedicated to the gospel. When they give their lives to the gospel, live out their lives as Christ calls them by following him. They would gain much in the kingdom. This was the cost of following Jesus. By giving their all. Even if that meant they lost their lives. Which Mark's community at the time of the writing of this gospel were certainly experiencing. It meant picking up their cross. Quite literally some of them. Or metaphorically, in following him to wherever it is he calls them to go. It meant living their lives that showed him. And in so doing, it meant giving up the pleasures of the world. As Christians, we are called to carry our crosses and follow Jesus. Picking up our crosses and following him in our culture today does not necessarily mean that we will um, pick up an instrument of death and, and lead us to literally carry that instrument to our deaths. But it does require us to carry something. Picking up our crosses and following Christ is a holy task. It requires us to reject the wickedness of the world. It requires us to reject the evils of the world. It requires us to reject Satan who tries to take our allegiance and blinds us. It requires us to seek and serve Christ in all persons. It requires us to be disciples, to make disciples, to go out and spread the good news. It requires us to love all as we love ourselves it requires us to proclaim the good news of Christ by our words and actions. Picking up our crosses requires us to live like Christ, to look like Christ.
to live not as earthly beings, but as heavenly beings. It requires us to be Christ in our world, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And though it may be a big task, it truly is not a burdensome, lonely one. Christ is with us, helping us carry the load along with our brothers and sisters in the body. So as we wear our crosses, let's not just wear them as fashion. Let them be a part of us, of who we are. Let them be a reminder that we are Christians. We are Christ followers. We are people of God, people of the cross. And when we live like that, when we live like people of the cross, we show Christ in ourselves. We represent Christ. Let us pick up our crosses. Let us put on our crosses. And follow Jesus and reject the pleasures and ways and securities of the world because they are not the ways of the cross, but the ways of the world. Let us live as redeemed people of the cross. Amen.